Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Open your Bibles if you would tonight. I'm going to scare you just a little bit. We are in a series, this is part six of a series about believing the Word of God and embracing it. You know, it's important that we believe and embrace. And we are in Mark, the 16th chapter. Uh, we'll be uh, continuing there. So far, this is part six, and we've only gotten, I think, to three verses. Verse 15, 16, and 17, maybe. I'm not even sure we're finished with 17, but uh, we'll try to move through it a little bit. And tonight, guess what I titled our message tonight? Okay, Believe and Embrace, part six, Tongues and Snakes. <laughs> Do y'all like that? Anybody want to jump up and run? Watch out. You get a dozen of them follow you around. You'll have to run around, around, around. <laughs> Tongues and snakes. Oh, I love this. You see, there is a certain image that's conjured up in the minds of so many people when this particular passage is read. In fact, there are denominations which, in churches, uh, it, which it's very difficult to preach from this passage in the 16th chapter of Mark. In fact, some even uh, really steer you against preaching from it unless you're willing to water it down almost to the point of denying its authoritative context. You know, if, because, and I mean, I've been preaching for a lot of years and I can't tell you that I have ever really felt comfortable, uh, you know, uh, in, in just in any church I went to opening up this particular passage and trying to explain to them in one setting what in the world this means when we start talking about, you know, snakes and poisons, okay? It's not the most popular message. In fact, controversies exist in some circles to the point that a person can be kicked out of a church, a church can be kicked out of a denomination, a pastor can be let go if he dares to preach this as the truth of the Word of God, which should be experienced in life today. Hello, are you all aware of this? Have you seen the pictures? Does it conjure up in your mind of someone up in the Ozarks, you know, handling snakes and jumping around with, you know, and speaking in tongues and, and you know, uh, you know uh, in some trance-like thing that just makes you want to go to the church and not want to go to the church? <laughs> kind of makes you want to go, to the, go and kind of look in the window but not really go inside. Yeah, you know, you're not alone in that if you have seen that. Uh, other denominations, however, the opposite deviations exist making it necessary to openly embrace and openly experience these things in your life, in public, or else your salvation is in question. That you're a person, if you do not practice these things, you are considered to be empty and void of the Spirit of God and without any faith. You know, I don't want to be in either ditch personally. Hello? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I want you to understand that these controversies which I am referring to, is a, uh, they are controversies which have split denominations, split churches, and even split families. Speaking in tongues is a controversial doctrine in some churches. Are you aware of that? Hello? Okay. Like Paul, I speak in tongues more than you all. Okay. So, glory to God. I speak in tongues more. And the Bible says, do not forbid to speak in tongues. But there are people on both sides of the issue. Some people believe that if you speak in tongues, you must be of the devil. Some people believe if you don't speak in tongues, you can't go to heaven. Well, neither one of those things is real. 
casting out demons. If you don't believe in demons, there's a possibility that you have a lying devil right where you are. <laughs> I can cast that thing out. Hello? But it's not the devil's fault that you're like you are. <laughs> Hello? One of the things I've never been able to cast out of people is the flesh. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Hatred, wrath, strife, variance, sedition, heresies, murder, and drunkling, reveling, and such like. Carousing around. I've never been able to cast out those things out of people because you can't cast out stinking thinking and you can't cast out the flesh and the, and the desires of the carnal nature of man. You have to deal with those. The apostle Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily. I say no to my flesh and I say no to, the, to, 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 the, to, to my body controlling what I do. He said, I renew my mind, I crucify my flesh, I say no and keep my body under subjection, and I submit myself to the Holy Spirit through the living Word of God. Well, that's just a pretty good thing. You know, demons exist, and we do need to exercise our authority over them. As well, taking up serpents. Boy, if we don't get to that tonight, you should come back next week. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Okay, I'll leave it right there and just let you wonder what in the world I might say about that next week. Drinking deadly poisons, drinking things that are deadly. What in the world does that mean? Have you ever went to a church? I don't know that I've ever attended anywhere and they stood up and said, would you turn please with me to Matthew 16, 18? Okay, if you drink any deadly thing, let me tell you. And laying hands on the sick and the sick recovering. What does that mean? How does that work? Is it something that is not for today? Is it something that, 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 that if we dare to trust and believe that we're, we're being foolish and presumptuous? If it's something that we don't do, are we being faithless? You know, where are we in Matthew chapter 16? What was God's intent? It matter, matters very little what you or I might believe unless we believe what God meant. And it's fortunate that we have his word. It's, it's so fortunate that we can make a right and accurate interpretation of the word of God. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you tonight that here at Church on the Rock and me as your pastor, our staff, our eldership, we affirm the authority of the scriptures. The New Testament, the Old Testament, it is the Word of God. It is for today. It is powerful. It is accurate. It is the Word of the living God backed up by the Holy Spirit, the greatest power and authority that we will ever embrace. We affirm the authority of the Scriptures. We affirm the faith of the believers and our duty to pray and to trust God, our duty to believe his word and exercise our faith. This passage that we are reading in Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 15 through 20, is the word of truth for all mankind. Our accurate interpretation of every scripture must follow our estimation of the scripture. It is not often the interpretation that misguides us, but rather the estimation. You see, if we believe this to be the word of God, 
if we will first accept this as God's word, then we have the opportunity for him to guide us into the truth of the interpretation of it. As we see scripture interpreted by scripture, there is no scripture that can stand alone and no one verse or no one passage can tell the whole story. You see, there is only one story that God is telling. From Genesis to Revelation, one story that God is telling. And every piece, every scripture, like a piece of the puzzle, must fit into the one picture that God is painting, into the one story that he is telling. And every word of God is true. We must find its place in the picture, in the story, and its applicableness to our lives today. For the word of God is meant for us. It wasn't just something that was given to people long ago to impact their lives. It is supposed to impact every generation with the same power, the same zeal, the same encouragement, the same goals that it has every generation before and should in each generation to come while the Lord tarries. With that thought in mind, Let's begin our study tonight of tongues and snakes, okay? And see how far we can get in the next 12 to 15 minutes. <laughs> Mark 16th chapter, beginning at verse 15. Please, uh, if you need to go online and look at the notes at easysermons.com or if you need to, you know, look at the, you know, watch the, listen to the podcast or watch church online, you can catch up in the last five parts of this. That's way too much for us to recap tonight. Verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, and they will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Number one, casting out demons. You know, casting out demons is something that Jesus showed us, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, and all throughout the book of Acts, we can see literal demons, demons, manifest demons, possessing, oppressing, controlling, doing their best to wreak havoc, not only in the lives of people, but also in communities, in whole cities, huge cities, like the city of Ephesus, for example. In the city of Ephesus, there's there, there, there you know, in Acts, the 19th chapter, you can read it. The city of Ephesus was the most demonically inspired and controlled city in all of the Roman Empire. There were about 250,000 people lived in the city of Ephesus during the time that Acts, the 19th chapter, was written by Luke. He was writing about the Apostle Paul's experience being there. And because it was so demonically inspired, that city had roving bands are groups of men that did nothing but, but perform exorcisms and do chants and incantations because they found out at Ephesus it had been a demonically controlled city for over 750 years before the Apostle Paul got there in Acts the 19th chapter. Over 750 years that city had been dedicated to Artemis 
who we know as Diana in the Acts, in, 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 in the book of Acts, the great goddess Diana. Artemis, there was a temple there to Artemis. It is one of the oldest temples that, that, that we can still identify and you can go there and visit it. I've been there a number of times and, and seen uh, the, 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 the uh, archeological uh, leftovers of the temple of Diana or Artemis. 750 years BC, that city was dedicated to the devil. And the apostle Paul came in, not speaking evil of anything else. In fact, you can read it in Acts the 19th chapter. He did not blaspheme their gods, nor did he steal anything from their temples. He merely lifted up the name of Jesus Christ, and he told them the good news, how they could be saved. And people began to get saved. For two and a half years, people were being saved. And the apostle Paul was casting demons out of people. In fact, they all brought their curious arts. And and, and, and they burned them, all of their books that had been handed down from generation to generation to generation. They found in that city that, that since they could control demons by incantations, also by potions, and by commanding them to, to, uh, to leave and by exorcisms, since they found they could control them in that manner, uh, it was a very profitable business. And so they had handed down these books from generation to generation, okay, for, you know, 750 years, like I said. And when the apostle Paul brought Christ to this, this Mecca of the Roman Empire, it was the gateway for all of Eurasia. It was the gateway for anything east of, of the Aegean Sea. And it was a great training center for the Roman uh, um, um, army. The Apostle Paul began to see people come to Christ. So much so that whenever they found out that it was wrong to serve other gods, the Bible says that basically uh, so many people in the city came and got saved and brought these books and brought their other uh, uh, demonic paraphernalia and, and, and they burned them. And the cost of what was burned that day was 50,000 pieces of silver. A piece of silver was equal to one day's wages. They burned 50,000 days wages in that one little thing. And they refused to buy any more little silver things that the silversmiths had made. They refused to buy any more of them, so much so that the head of the silversmith guild, I'm not making this up, you can read it in Acts 19th chapter, okay? But the head, the guy that was in charge of, you know, the, the, the local, you know, 694 of the silversmiths, okay? He drug Paul and some other people into the, that theater that's still there. It holds 25,000 people. It still sits there in the, in, in, in the ruins of Ephesus today. And he brought them in, filled the place up with 25,000 plus people on the inside and outside, all because that, that man Paul had cost the silversmiths all of their business because nobody was buying any more gods made of silver. And, and, and he said, this man has ruined our business. And he ended up having to leave Ephesus. And, uh, but yet Timothy became the pastor there. And Timothy continued to grow 
what we know as the largest church in all of Christendom during that period. People have it between 15 and 65,000 members in the church in Ephesus. So that, the Bible says, from Ephesus, the word of God was heard throughout the whole world. And not one of those boys even owned a bicycle. Okay? The word of God went around the world from Ephesus because of this, this, this release of demonic hold on the city. Well, there was a group of these exorcists that was a business they had going around and casting devils out of people. And when they heard Paul and saw what Paul could do, he wasn't having to, you know, cut himself. He wasn't having to, you know, uh, you know do all kinds of crazy stuff and, you know, uh, spend all this time. Seven men... They were brothers who were, as Acts 19 says, they were vagabond Jewish exorcists. Boy, how would you like to have that title? That means that they were traveling exorcists. They happened to be Jewish from their roots and their culture and customs of life. But they did not, uh, you know, uh, they, they did not subscribe to Christianity. But when they saw what Paul could do, how he cast out devils in the name of Jesus, he would just say, come out in the name of Jesus. Boom, devils would come out. And they said, man, that sounds easier to me. That's better. That's so much better. And so what they did is they found themselves a man who was possessed of a devil. And believe me, exorcist was full, I mean, Ephesus was full of people that needed exercising. Okay? They took this man into a house and they locked the door. And these seven men said to this man who was possessed by a devil, We command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out of him. The Bible says... Have you read that? That's the word of God. He's telling this story for a reason, by the way. You know, remember the Bible is not just a historical record. The Bible is a roadmap. Okay. It's a roadmap for us. Come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, the Bible says the devil spoke out of that man and said, hmm, Jesus I know. And Paul, I know, well, I, I preached a good sermon one time on who in the hell are you? <laughs> Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? And the Bible says with that, that man that had that demon, he went daimonitsamite on him. That's the Greek word for demon possession. He went daimonitsamite right there on him. The Bible says that he beat them up. He didn't just beat them up, but he ripped all their clothes off. All seven of them. And he sent all seven of them running, screaming out of the house naked, running through the streets of Ephesus naked, chased by a devil. Wow. Well, I believe in devils. But I believe that Jesus has given us power over demons. In Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 1, and when Jesus had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. You see, Jesus' great commission to us in, in Mark chapter 16 
gives every believer the authority that he had given his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, he told them to go into the cities there and I want you to cast out devils. Now, the difficulty in the United States is that we have sophisticated devils, okay? They don't, they, 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 they literally are hiding among people. And, and, you know, but, but if you think that there is not some demon driving some of our political aspirations and some of the situations in our nation and, and desiring to take over our economy. I mean, if you, if you imagine that Daniel was just, you know, on, on, on some type of a hallucinogenic whenever, you know, uh, Gabriel showed up to him and said, listen, I've been trying to bring a message to you for three weeks. From the first day you prayed, I was dispatched from heaven. And uh, this prince of the power, this demon, this principality over Asia withstood me and kept me from getting through to you. But I called after three weeks, I called upon Michael, the great archangel, the prince of Israel, to come and help me and to fight with him and to take my place so I could be released and bring a message to you and here is the message and as soon as you receive the message I am going back because the prince of Persia is coming as well and we're going to have a knockdown drag out in the heavenlies. He was not hallucinating. Okay? It's our estimation of the word of God that is often in question. It's not our interpretation because pretty much the Bible means pretty much what it said in its original intent. I heard a man say one time, well, it's not such a miracle. You know, uh, when the children of Israel went across the Red Sea, at that time of the year, there's only really about six inches of water there. So you can imagine a million, a million and a half people walking across there would have dried it up. I said, oh, glory to God, hallelujah. That's a greater miracle than I ever imagined that God could drown Pharaoh and all his army in only six inches of water. <laughs> Another guy said, well, you know, that little boy with the fish and loaves, uh, the bread was much larger in that day. Oh, hold on a second. You telling me that God did a miracle that allowed a little boy to carry bread big enough to feed 15,000 people? There's a miracle. There's another Samson somewhere. I was in Israel just a few years ago. I was doing a television program in Israel, and I was on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee in the old town in the archaeological ruins of the town of Bethsaida. And uh, in, in, in doing filming, uh, you, sometimes you don't like to be interrupted. So this, this, this tour group was coming through that town, and nobody ever goes to that little town except me. Uh, and, 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 you know, so the, but this tour group was coming through. So um, we cut, and I needed a little break anyway. It was real hot, and so we just kind of went over and sat down close to them. And tour leader and some ministers and pastors from the United States, they were guiding some tours and a tour group from several different countries. And they sat down on the, on, on, on the edge of, of that hill overlooking the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And as they looked out over the Sea of Galilee, the, the head minister began to tell them this. He said this. He said, well, let me explain to you 
what it means when it says Jesus walked on the water. And I thought, well, I need to, I need to hear this. That's going to be interesting because I always like to pick up anything I can from people that, that, that know. And he said, well, you see, if you look out there, you can see some lighter and some darker places. But in that day, the Jordan River was a little more full and emptying out, it pushed out sandbars. There were sandbars that extended well out there that you can't really see right now so that the water might only be, you know, maybe at, at, you know, three inches, two inches or three inches uh, above the sandbars. And when the boat uh, that, that, that uh, they were in, when they were coming along, most likely the struggle that they had in rowing the boat is because they had run aground. And when Jesus came walking to them on the water, you see, he was walking on one of those sandbars. So he really was only walking in about two inches of water. And one of the other preachers spoke up and said, I have always wondered about that. Well, he said, well, now you know. He said, and, and uh, that boat got dislodged at just the right moment, and it moved along. And when Peter, when, whenever Peter first saw Jesus, if he had got out of the boat right then, he could have walked on the sandbar and met Jesus. But the boat would moved a little bit, and when Peter got out of the boat, he probably only had about two or three feet of that sandbar left and then he stepped right off of it and that's why he went down and Jesus walked over there still on the sandbar and was able to pull him back up on it now grown men that have these were grown men educated been to cemetery I mean seminary I mean a, a bunch of them I'm sitting over going our estimation of the word it's what we should question. Our interpretation will follow our estimation. Let me tell you the reality. The reality is there are demons and devils in this earth. They are your enemy. But thanks be to God who said through his son Jesus Christ by the anointing and the authority of the Creator of the universe. Behold, he said in Luke, the 10th chapter, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the abilities of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Wow. My estimation of that scripture is that that's the word of God. We can cast out devils. And we should include in our private and in our family ministry prayer time, we should include a consideration that the problem we are experiencing, especially if it's chronic, especially if it is not from God, that the, and, and you know, we didn't just hit ourselves on the hand with a hammer, you know, that'll hurt every time, by the way, without what you believe, okay? <laughs> then we need to consider that we might need to command the devil and demons of hell and spirits of darkness 
to leave us and leave our families and leave our finances and leave our friends and leave our politics alone. We have authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We need to exercise that. Don't get in either ditch. Don't believe that everything is a devil because it's not. There are plenty of things that are just stupid. <laughs> Where else can you go and get this much fun for only a quarter, huh? But don't discount the fact that the devil doesn't like you. Jesus said to Peter, the devil desires to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. Prayer must be the answer. Okay? He's given us authority over all the enemy's ability. Exercise that authority in Jesus' name. Amen.